the boxes are rocking. Yes, please, please do come a knocking. In this corner with Brian Campbell returns with the boxing podcast as we tie that bow extra tight on a perfect package of audio nonsense and analysis that is underwritten by the untraceable, unmistakable performance-enhancing audio. Folks, you know us. We always give it to you straight, so let's be honest here for a second. Who gives you a full package like your boys BC and Big Red? Because they had a full package. Where are they going to get that full package today? Who puts their balls on the line? Who does that in boxing? There's only two men. You already know us, and you already knew that the Brian Campbell is, in fact, the voice that you hear. And I am ready to give you yet another loaded episode you simply won't want to miss. We recap Sergey Kovalev's stunning knockout loss and sit down with welterweights Danny Garcia and Sean Porter ahead of their September 8th Showtime showdown if you will, for a vacant welterweight title from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. I am fired the heck up for that fight. Look, guys, these are two sloppy and beautifully ugly interviews that you really, you really need to check them out. I think boxing is, is, is a is a beautifully ugly sport, and I love it. Yeah, me, I love it too. I love the show, which is equally beautifully ugly. Uh, before I bring in that man, Big Red... Let me just remind you that if you hear something today on the show that you like, if you see something, say something. Please don't don't be cheap. All right, don't cheapen out on us. Head on over to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, rate, review, give us that five star review. You remember when Dikembe Mutombo used to block shots with the five fingers, that giant hand, and then he would wave that one at you. Don't give us one. We want all five. We want the full package of your time. Maybe a little sentence about why Big Red makes your week that much more livable. Do your part in this audio revolution to keep this show coming to you. All right, there's a lot of shows out there called In This Corner. You already know that. We want this one to be the best. We need you to get there. And one more thing business-wise, folks. You know already where to get the best highlights and the biggest sports stories every day. It's the CBS Sports HQ Streaming network 24-7 live on your phone, tablet. Hey, stream it on your TV if you want to see BC in his basement bedroom office studio blown up on your screen talking to you about fights. You know you can already get that. But I can give you something special, too, when you wake up in the morning. When you're in bed, when you roll down the covers, you spark up that cig because you got to get that taste of the THC. That's disgusting. Do not light up in your bed. That's ab- I'm not going to tell you how to live your life, but don't live your life that way. But as you spark it up and light it up, folks, and you check the DMs, you want something in your in-hole that can, that can start your day the right way. That's the CBS Sports HQ newsletter. It's brand new. If it, it, it really packed with all the good stuff you need. If you had opened that this morning, you would have saw your B, boy BC on a video talking to you about Conor McGregor. A lot of big news in the fight game. You need it before you start your day. Look, you don't want to go to work and not know what's going on in sports for that quote unquote water cooler talk. All right. I mean, we can talk about TNA at the water cooler, but you want to be able to know what you're talking about with sports. Go to cbssports.com slash HQ daily to subscribe. Tell them BC sent you. But without any further ado, it's time to bring in my co-host, my main man, my best friend in the this this battle of box that we go through. He's an internationally renowned author, editor, Filipino TV star. Folks, he's the new face of Eater.com. He's coming to your living room. He's coming down your throat. He is your personal candy licker. Let me lick you. Over left, going 
all the way down. Oh, baby, when Rafe Bartholomew, right. yeah. I woke you up extra early on the left coast today. It's still dark in L.A. How the heck are you? I'm doing great, Brian. It's great to hear that CBS Sports is finally into the newsletter game. I bet they've been in it. And I, I, I love the new name, the Respect Box Newsletter. It's great. What, what, who needs names these days? It's great to be on this show with you, the fight game with Brian Lampley. I love it. In this, let's get in this corner. I love that. I love that. You know, I mean, wow, wow. Hey, Rafe, um, we're going to have the swag champ, Danny Garcia, on later, but you're kind of becoming a swag merch boxing champ yourself. I saw that picture of you. I don't know if you made it public yet of you wearing the Usyk hoodie supporting your your uh, your European brethren. I have also saw you this morning when you logged on. Was that a Terrence Bud Crawford hat? Do they even make those? I do, I do like to dabble in the merch, and hell yes, that is a maroon Terrence Bud Crawford hat with the T is Terrence there, standing with his arms out, kind of like the Leonardo da Vinci man. Uh, <clears throat> and yeah, I got myself, man, I tell you, when this Usyk hoodie arrived in the mail, I mean, this was a leap of faith. I put my credit card information into a Ukrainian <laughs> website and was just like, send me that double kebab hoodie, man. Let me get it. And I waited and waited and waited. It was probably two months. It came, man. It it happened. Wow. It happened. Wow. What did it feel like when you first put it on? I'm Phil. I'm very Phil. Well, Brian, I got to say, uh, my immediately – my my hair changed, you know, the, the sides just got zipped right off and my a little, a little bit of teeth, my front teeth separated a little bit just in the middle and I felt myself transformed, felt something, something came up, came up within me, wow, a power. That's, that's absolutely disgusting, but I'm, I support you on that. That's fantastic. Um, Wow, you know, I, I've got a pretty badass Angel Garcia hat you once gave me, and I've collected some swag over the years. You know what I rock sometimes to pick up the kids at school? My Mayweather Birdo hat. I get a lot of weird looks from, from regular folks, from non-boxeo lovers, from the, you know, people who are like, is that a Haitian flag on the side of your hat? You're damn right it is, alright? The Harvest, brother, it, it came! It came! The Harvest came! Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's I'm sorry, man. I, I like I like the idea of you disturbing the the uh, the suburban neighborhoods of Connecticut with your with your with your Haitian flag waving. That's that's what I'm talking about. All right, Rafe, we have a, a weird show because we're entering that dead period of boxing summer. Normally, that dead period is like the end of June through September, right? But this year, we've had some things to talk about. We're entering the death period. You'll find that out later in the weekend preview as we scrape the barrel to find out if Rafe cares about the fights this weekend. But we're coming off of a pretty busy weekend and a major, major story. That was Sergei Kovalev violently, arguably having his soul removed by Elider Storm Alvarez. Three knockdowns and an eighth round TKO in Atlantic City. Wow. I say wow, Rafe, because certainly to, to, to see that ending, it, it's, it's, it moves you. But the first seven rounds, at least not for me, I want to hear from you, did not lead me to believe that the eighth round was coming. Your thoughts? Uh, yeah, definitely. I did not think, I did not see it coming that way. I thought that even though, uh, Kovalev was winning that fight, I thought it was, I thought the cards were closer than, I thought they were more like the 
what it was the card that had them separated by two points than the card that had had them separated by four or five points um for me that's that's how i was seeing that fight i thought that alvarez especially obviously early the first couple of rounds uh, had made kovalev adjust he you saw in the second round kovalev after he'd got he'd been sort of following alvarez and not getting a lot done, was getting beat to the punch a little bit just by following, Kovalev stepped back and said, okay, let's see what you can do coming to me. And that was, I mean, good for Kovalev. We we don't see fighters adjust. He he made it quick and started to take over the fight. But, you know, he had his moments, that big fourth round. Again, looked like he hurt Alvarez a little bit in the sixth round. Alvarez's face was starting to break up a little bit. But we also know that, Kovalev has his longstanding uh, concerns about stamina, whether it has to do with his training or he's just one of these guys who can't, you know, fight at the same level of intensity for 12 rounds. You could see he was emptying the tank a little bit and you wondered and, and that, that, that good for Alvarez. He survived those couple of storms. He made him work and then shoot, the opportunity came and he, he, did he jump on it or what? And I got to say one other thing. I, I copped a huge squat on Alvarez last wow. week. So I deserve this. Yeah. Uh, not literally guys. I, you know, I don't know what he's into. Uh, we, we could talk anyway. Uh, did he ever but, fight Yusuf Mack? Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> Look, I, I'm not taking anyone into the doghouse, um, is it, or the dog pound, whatever it was. We don't need to go there. They just, I, somebody may have slipped me a Jimmy, Brian. Oh, I don't remember. Oh my God. Uh, I mean, but it's, it's like, oh. somebody slipped me a, a Jimmy. Somebody, uh, somebody, uh, it was the meat of Mexico. No one owns it. No, but we were talking about this fight last week, Brian, and I get get out of here. Get out of here. Alvarez, I called him the definition of a contender. I made fun of his hair, which is, I still think, justified. But I don't know, yo. dude. I'll pause for a second. That hairdo's pretty <laughs> badass, all right? Like, it's not Felix Trinidad the night Winky Wright served him 12 rounds of jab sandwiches, but it's pretty badass. I don't know, man. I don't, I'm cool with the mohawk, all right? I, I Maybe if he dyed it and gave me a little bit of Wesley Snipes, Simon Phoenix feels, you know what I'm talking about? The demolition man, you know, out from cryo prison to oh, wreak yeah. havoc. I saw that in the damn theater. What was that, 93? That was early <laughs> – uh, uh, what's the name of the female lead? Oh, yeah, Sandra Bullock. Early, early Bullock, yeah. But that's pre-speed Bullock right there, right? Is it really? Wow. Wow. Hey, Sly I, that, Stallone that's wasn't a de- bad. That's a, that's a definitional film in my life, so I don't, I, you know. That was that post-prime run for Sly Stallone where I was so in from growing up in the Rocky era that I would go to the theater for any reason to see him. Cliffhanger, I was there. Remember that movie? I was there, man. Cliffhanger and Demolition Man are the good ones of this. Are we Like, when you get into Judge Dredd with Rob oh, Schneider, Judge, then you bad. start to ask some questions. Um, but all right, fine. No, I'm not we, done. Get, we, no, all... don't, don't get away from Stallone. Let's all put right. the boxing on the back burner. That stretch of early nineties. I don't know. I was just so all in. What else did he do then? Can can I call up his filmography? I don't want stop you. Know... Or, you all right? Stop or my mom will shoot. Brian, were you all in right. on that? The end of the Rocky Rambo era. Okay, he gave us that prime. He gave us over the top. 89 gave us Tango and Cash, which I stand behind. I know oh, it, didn't, yeah. it didn't age well, but I stand behind. First, first nudity I think I've ever seen in in the movies. Oh, full frontal or? All right, well. No, uh, no, just, just, uh, female, uh, top down, top, top, bottom, I don't know, I can't remember.
Uh, he did open the 90s with Oscar and Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Not a great run, but then we went Cliffhanger. Then we went Demolition Man. And then in 94, right in the prime of Cinemax Late Night, we did The Specialist with Sharon Stone. And I think you know where I'm going there. Do you know where I'm going there? I just remember the bombs, man. I just remember the that's bombs. What you called, that's what you called uh, uh, TNA back then? I mean, where, where are we going here? <laughs> didn't, didn't Stallone also wear a lot of bad sunglasses in that one? I wasn't looking at him. But, hey, Eric Roberts was in that. James Woods. That wasn't a bad film. What? So Judge Dredd it started to go off the rails. What about 1995's Assassins? I didn't see that. Did you? Oh, Banderas? That's, that's one. Dude, that's the movie where the Banderas gift comes from, where Antonio Banderas oh. has got the laptop, and, you know, he looks at it, and he's like, mmm, does a little fist pump. Wow, that, Judge that's... Dredd took me off the rails because I didn't watch Assassins. I didn't watch Daylight in 96. Oh, Daylight? Yo, I was all in. I grew up near the Holland Tunnel, so this was like – Oh yeah. Getting inside, getting inside that tunnel with Sly, you know what I'm saying? Oh, that's so disgusting. I did, I came back for Copland like everybody else did, but wow, it's, that, that was the sort of end. You know, Sly, we're all pretty... living in Copland. It never ends. Copland is everywhere. Yo, bro, Sly had a pretty washed 2000s. Like he did Get Carter in 2000, and then before you know it, he's suddenly doing like Spy Kids three and remakes of Rocky and Rambo. He had a really washed 2000s. He's really washed. He's been really washed. <laughs> then he cut, and then of course he got into the Expendables business, and then he gave VO a, a strong comeback right there. Dude, this is nuts. It was nuts. I, I I did see them. All right, let's get back to boxing for a second. Wow, shocking ending, Rafe. You made some good points on on where that fight was going. On we didn't we didn't really give Alvarez's just due coming in, but ultimately you do have to agree what Sergey Kovalev found out firsthand. <laughs> He hits hard. Rafe, that wasn't, and I know I'm not the only one to make this sort of comparison, but this wasn't, oh, uh, Andre Ward already took Sergey Kovalev's soul and he was damaged goods. This wasn't, oh, Kovalev sneaked up, snuck up on us and turned 35. No, this was a close fight in which Alvarez put on his puncher shoes between round seven and eight and sent Sergey to hell the natural old-fashioned way by hitting him with violent, clean perfect power punches that you don't come back from. Is Kovalev a bit of a front runner? Yes, he's shown us that on the elite level. He's a bully. But at the same time, I don't think there's anything you take away from Alvarez's knockout. I think if anything this night was Alvarez making the leap. Yes, now we have questions at what's next for Kovalev. How does he bounce back? But let's not water down by saying anything negative about Kovalev wasn't still the same guy. Dude, he just blew away the Mikalkin Shabranskis of the world who he should blow away, and he looked good doing it. This was unbeaten Storm Alvarez making that leap, Rafe. Absolutely, and it's one of these weird things with boxing, in this era at least, where there is just this lack of information that we have about a lot of fighters that you you can't really evaluate them fairly because they haven't had the fights to tell you how good they really are so you, we got to use our eye tests we just use what the what we're we go with what works but you're never really you don't really know until until they get in the ring and fight that's why they fight the fights uh, and, and especially because you know we, we know Alvarez has spent a few years as Adonis Stevenson's mandatory getting step aside fees to let 
Adonis fight the Tommy Carpensis of the world and uh. Dmitry Sukotskis and all those terrible fights. There's a, this terrible run of, of Adonis Stevenson defenses. Uh, so, so we, we didn't have a great feel for how, if Alvarez really deserved to be taken seriously as a guy who had a, who was live against Kovalev. Uh, and, and I certainly, a lot of people didn't really see him as that live, despite him being a top five light heavyweight. Uh, and that's, shoot, I'm glad we saw the fight. I hope they, I do hope that Kovalev wants and pursues the rematch. I mean, what? I hope he does whatever the hell he wants with his life. But as a fan, I would like to see that fight again because it was interesting. And also we've been saying eight rounds. I think it ended in the seventh, uh, just to clear, clear the record. Um, how dare but you? how dare you? I'm sorry, Brian. And whatever, whatever you say goes. That's what you're, you're, you're the boss, applesauce. Uh, but Alvarez, you know, I want to see this fight again if both guys are up for it. I would like to see them as soon as Kovalev is ready to get back in the ring, try and set the record straight, avenge that loss. And there's reason to believe that, that he could feel, should feel confident in doing that. He's that's winning that fight. He had him hurt a little bit. What? You want a rematch on that. And if you, that's interesting, but. Does Kovalev deserve that after the run he's been on? Does he deserve, or, or is there just no one else to really make a credible fight? And if you're HBO, you just had a really fun moment. Like, by the way, I didn't watch that fight live because I was covering UFC, but I saw what happened first by seeing the, uh, on Twitter, seeing the, uh, the videos pop the up. Like, HBO puts on the quick little highlights 10 seconds after they happen. That's one, this, the finish was one of the best little knockout highlights that could ever pop up that you instantly want to retweet. HBO doesn't have a big stable, doesn't have a lot of fighters. They put some money into Kovalev. Do you throw money at Storm to run this back without question? Well, uh, part of it is just contractual. Kovalev had a, re- a rematch clause. So if he enforces it, they're doing the rematch. Um, and yes, I think that is a good next fight for both of them because there aren't a lot of other light heavyweights who, who are good, who will be easy to make fights with on HBO. And, yeah, and, and it's also a fight that I think Deserve, you know, makes sense as a rematch as long as, again, as long as Kovalev wants one, there would be money in it. Kovalev, uh, can say, can, can argue and say, look, I was winning that fight, not only on the cards, but in the eyes of pretty much all observers until I got caught. And that happens in boxing. Now, I think, you know, uh, uh, we're going to go into that rematch, uh, expecting, uh, probably favoring Alvarez, even though he, he wasn't winning every second of this fight. Uh, but, it's 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 a fight. It is a natural. It makes sense as a rematch for me. All right, all right. We, we thought we coming in. We thought Kovalev was just going to finish him off, and then we get this interview. I would like to fight Adonis Chickenson. Adonis Chickenson, who is also here ringside. <laughs> That's not what we got. Instead, we got an Instagram hospital video afterwards from Kovalev. One in Russian, one in English, English because he didn't do a post fight interview. To kind of explain where he's at and where he's going next. Hi, my boxing fans. Um, <laughs> thank you for your support. And uh, I'm sorry and apologize for this situation that I got a punch from Alvarez. Uh, I'm okay right now in the hospital. Uh, just uh, checking my health, my head. and He sounds so calm and okay there. Um, I play that Hello, video. Hello, so my boxing so we, fans. Yeah, I play it so we can laugh at the... Hi, my boxing fans. Hello, hello. I like you. Do you like? No, that's not fair. I'm, I'm just. I mean, I like 
like it. No, yeah. that's not fair. Um, I play that though so that we can ask. Thirty-five, just got knocked out. Uh oh. Uh oh. Like you know, I mean, I'm are you gonna get harsh on me? I'm certainly not. No, 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 no. That's too harsh. That is too harsh. But is he damaged goods now, or is this just? The second half of his career, and he got caught. Where are you at? Well, how much did he leave in the ring in, in AC? Right, the same city where Darren Barker had no business getting up from that body shot against Wash Gill, yet he did. How much of Kovalev is still on that ring with Adam Abramovitz ringside? You know what I'm saying? Like, what happens next? How? What do you? What's What's left of this crusher? I want to see. I would like to see. Uh, that's I, and and hopefully he's interested in in testing that and letting us see. Uh, I I don't think that I think it's unfair to just assume. All right, well he lost this one. He got knocked out. That's it. Party's over. See you later. But at the same time, you know, there's it's you do it's hard not to feel that way it's boxing we've we do see patterns like this you reach a certain age you see a guy Kovalev like you mentioned has these front runner tendencies you know we actually just you know said adios to the career of Lucas Matisse who was more perhaps probably a more extreme example of that or maybe just a less overall talented version so that Kovalev's front-running tendencies were have been exposed less in his career because he's just been that good most of the time. Uh, but he now other fighters smell it. They're going to be going into these, uh, and this is an interesting. I, I'm curious what you think about this, Brian, because on one hand we always say fighters are never afraid of other fighters. If the money is right and the and the risk reward is right, they'll get in there and do their best. Then we also say, oh, Sergey Kovalev, now that his bully air of invincibility is gone, now that he's not the boogeyman anymore, fighters aren't going to be afraid when they step in the ring. Well, which of that, which of that is actually true? Because I, it's sort of like a momentum debate in other sports, which kind of sucks in, when, when they get into the stat side of that. But in this, which of that is true? Are they afraid or are they not? Does it, does it matter to Kovalev to, to, come in with that air of invincibility or is it really just two guys putting their skills on the line and we see who's better every time? Yeah, I think, I think it's the latter. I think it's the latter. I think you do have to be a little concerned moving forward. I mean, there's not a lot of killers at 175 in my opinion. Are you crazy? I don't think there is outside of Vodzik and, and maybe Adonis. I don't think there's. But Derbiev, he just, he just signed that contract. Did you just expose me as a casual? Um, well, I don't, yeah. Bivol, I don't know if I would say killer, but he, he was, Bivol is obviously a very good fighter. I guess the first six rounds showed me enough that Kovalev's still competent, still got it, can still do things at 35. You, you do have to worry what was left in that ring. I'm not ready to, to call him wash to say that, to say that he's done uh, si- simultaneously though. Do I feel like I saw him give up the ghost a little on that, on, on the way he responded to those punches? Yes, but, Dude, those were vicious, on-point, perfect punches. It's kind of hard. I, I hate to give you the answer of the question I just asked you, which is I don't know. But I don't know. We, that's why. Well, we, that's why we see. That's the theater. That's because I don't know what this guy's going to have left after this. It, that's the tricky thing. I am of the opinion that 
in in these situations, especially with a guy who is not, not like one mile washed, right? You give the fighter the benefit of the doubt. You say, all right, let's see what he comes back with in the next fight to, and then determine if we think that this really took something out of him in a, in a perhaps permanent way. Right. Uh, but at the same time, you, we, we watch enough boxing. We see these patterns that when stuff like this starts to happen, usually, you know, it's, it snowballs or not usually, but often enough, it snowballs and, and you can't ignore that pattern. Wanma was ringside. It's funny you say that. And like I said, I don't know if you saw this. And they did ask him in a in a post fight interview, uh, one of the blogs, what went wrong for Kovalev? Why did he lose this fight? Now he's basically saying that the referee stopped the fight because they, you know they have gambling problems. Oh, come on, that's that's. I mean, that's that doesn't make any sense. Um, Rafe, uh, yeah, interesting. I want to see where this goes next. I wouldn't mind a rematch. I wouldn't mind Elider Alvarez against Donna Stevenson. Like, let's figure out who's the best light heavyweight. This was a big power move forward. I did not have the same amount of feels on that undercard, Kilmaine, when Dimitri Bival took 12 boring rounds from the golden boy, Isaac Chalemba. And, of course, afterwards, in pure Chalemba, Juan Manuel Marquez mode, he says, I, I should have won that fight. I won the last seven rounds. All he succeeded in is sucking the entertainment and life out of the fight. I didn't take a ton from Bivol. I didn't take anything negative, but I also didn't take a ton from positive. The only good thing about that whole scenario was that we got to see Roy Jones train Chalemba, which I had no idea, and then run back to ringside, throw on his suit, and drip sweat as he previewed the Kovalev fight. Roy also was just coming through the, the motivational stuff he was dropping on Chilemba in the corner was was pretty spectacular. It was, was do you think it was borderline uh Teddy-esque like uh, like on that level or no? No, it wasn't crazy Teddy talk. It wasn't, you know, fireman or the 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 wild Povetkin rant that Teddy gave us years ago. It was Your more dead father. Just... He's here. He can see you. Why am I using the Bob Aaron? Do voice you believe in magic? Yes, yes. Fireman. <laughs> oh wow. Did, Teddy, you know, remember as a kid you'd play uh touch football and you'd always have an odd number so somebody was like auto QB. Teddy should be like auto default trainer. You know, like when somebody gets arrested and the court appoints them an attorney and they never met the guy and they're like, all right, hey, how are you? Nice to, Teddy should be like, like, I know like maybe they should have Teddy in the bullpen for whenever Babe Boot Shumanov plans to train himself, but like seriously, Teddy should be just on hand at all times. Like it should be part of the TV contract that Teddy has to train one of the two fighters, right? I need more Teddy, okay? Is there anyone with the power in the world of boxing and the boxing power structure to give us more Teddy? I'm not sure. Could someone possibly put Teddy on the air again? Who knows? I said it before and I'll say it again and I mean it. HBO, when Teddy's contract is up, should should throw the book at him and stop trying to be this steakhouse, elite restaurant style, classic, we wrote boxing's history, we are boxing. No, HBO, you don't have the money anymore, so you should get Teddy on there. You should put on Friday Night fights level fights and you should just be an entertainment show in the end right that's really what you should be imagine teddy on there with lamps oh my god it'd be like he'd make it he'd make him uh, uh flip cheeseburgers right that's actually a great analogy, Brian. I think if if 
Jim Lampley ended up in the booth with Teddy Atlas, even despite Lampley's long, distinguished career in broadcasting, he probably would be dealing with some things he'd never seen before. He'd get some bugs on the windshield. He would, oh man, I would love to see Lampley have to deal with some of these like metaphors and weird things that he says. It was a Volkswagen against a Ferrari, and the guy driving the Volkswagen was a bad driver. I would love Lampley to have to follow that, right? With his, like, dictionary out and his deep words and his, like, I love Lamps, by the way. Lamps is the, is the gold standard. He's a gangster, right? Like, oh, man. I don't know where we are or where we went, but how would Lamps respond to one of these type of rants? That woman judge who had... I mean, that like that would be great. H- wait, this is cable. We can do stuff like that. We can say bad words. We can disparage women. That would be fantastic. No, who wants to disparage women? Rafe, did Beeval impress you? I only have th- 20 more seconds of room for Beeval talk in the show. No, he didn't look. Yes, he won. He got through the fight. Chalemba always does this, okay? So I'm not taking anything away from Beeval. No, that was quick. That was that was good. That was that was fantastic. Hey, would you see a Bivol Storm Alvarez? Who promotes Bivol? Is that main event? Sounds like he's a hot free agent. There's these rumors. Everyone is at Eddie Hearn and his own want him. Showtime wants him. HBO hopes to keep him. And I obviously uh, main events has some sort of option on him, but I don't think they are the long term promoter necessarily. I bet they'd like to be, and and uh, they're nice folks over there. So if we're witnessing the end of Sergey Kovalev. I hope they manage to latch on with one of these uh, bright, young, light heavyweights. I, I, I'm absolutely with you. Does Bivol hit really hard, though? Yeah, it appears that. Ask Trent Broadhurst. If you're uh, an Australian jobber, he sure does. All right, all right. This guy hits so hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, Rafe. I got to get out of that. We're done with that. It's over. All right, we're done with that. Um. I got other things we got to talk about, and one of those was washed welters from Long Island. PBC on Fox over the weekend. Rafe, this main event was hella washed. So let's pause that. Did you see the co-main? My man, Kid Chocolate Peter Quillen, talking trash to Floyd at ringside as he's trying to remove the soul of Jaleon Love. Unsuccessful in the latter, but he did pull an impressive decision. And what we found the last couple days before the fight from from Kevin Ioli's piece on Yahoo and some others is that Kid Chocolate really went through a tough emotional journey the last couple of years. Had his wife like leave him for a while. Like This is, this is some t- rough patches. I feel, tell me if I'm wrong, that Quillen looked like Quillen for the first time since, like, the Endom fight six years ago. Like, the Quillen that was too tentative against Andy Lee, the Quillen that was on ice skates and got his soul taken around one against Jacobs, that guy is gone now. And by the way, did you hear that Quillen considered suicide after the Jacobs loss? This was this was tough. This is the reality of this dark sport, Rafe. So when somebody can put the pieces back together and go in there against Jay Leon Love and get a good win, I'm going to be excited on this show. Thank you. That's my editorial for the day. That's amazing, Brian. I'm really happy for you. Um, yeah, I'm not really interested in Peter Quillen's career at this point, oh, and so I didn't really you. pay much attention to this fight. Did you see the uh, smiley face Quillen logo on the back <laughs> of his yarmulke that he put on after the fight? What? Can you explain that for me? I, I cannot totally explain it. All I know is whenever I've been to Peter Quillen fights, he has about 85 really excited Wall Street guys Going nuts, going, all right, PD! Come on, Petey! I love you! Um, did you see him throw chocolate to the crowd? That was nice of him afterwards, to throw candy to the, to the children. 
little chocolate brownies. Um, do you think that at super middleweight where he, where he resides now, and look, Jalen Love at this point is not the biggest test in the world, but he controlled that fight and he looked good. Is he a player at 68 or is he ultimately a B-side name who's going to get sent by some European dude one of these days? Uh, let's see. I, I, I kind of, I was, I was always lower on, uh, on Peter Quillen on Kid Chocolate than a lot of the rest of the boxing world back when he was supposed to be the guy who would, you know, expose Gennady Golovkin three or four years ago. I never really believed in that. Uh, but shoot, he did look good. He looked like a, a real fighter again. And so, you know, I hope he goes after some real fights. There are some, Good mid-level tests at 168, whether you're talking about a Anthony Durrell. I know he's, he's got uh, some sort of mandatory title fight lined up soon. But that level of guy, uh, certainly if they're willing to da- go into Chris Eubank territory or, or that sort of stuff across the, across the pond. And, and the other thing is the top end of that division is good, but not so intimidating, right? You're looking at Callum Smith and George Groves and guys who – if Peter Quillen is as good as people once thought he, he, he was and can find that again, you could see him holding his own and maybe winning some of those fights. I just like that. I don't know if willing, I could, but somebody could. I just like that he had swagger. He was willing to punch again. I mean, the, seriously, the Peter Quillen from that Andy Lee fight, which had some fun moments when they both got dropped, but the rest of the fight was both of them being gun shy. That's not a fun Peter Quillen. He's still 33, one and one. I mean, he's still got a juicy record. Remember when he sent that – oh, remember when he destroyed that stripper, Michael Zarafa, like and almost ended him? That was – yeah, all right, enough. I'm done. I'm done. I'm moving on. Uh, Rafe, I want to get into this main event, though. <laughs> the harvest came finally, but I don't – man, this fight stunk, and it should have been good. Like, Devin Alexander and Victor Ortiz, it turned out to be kind of a good fight. VO kept pushing the pace. They traded. It was good. This fight was bad, and I hate saying – I love – I love – uh why do I keep saying Broner? I love Birdo. I love Andre Birdo. You can having a little bit of initial yeah, problem. You know, old age, you're 40, man, I'm, you're I'm washed. washed. I'm you know. so washed. Um, Birdo, he was on the show last week. I love the guy. He didn't look good, Rafe. He won a split decision 12 over Devin Alexander, but here's the fine print in that, okay? Andre Birdo got dropped earlier in that fight. I had the score, uh, 114-113. For Devin Alexander. I thought it was a close fight because like the VO fight, Devin took his foot off the gas late, allowed Birdo to, to win some of these rounds just on pressure alone. When really, neither of them were landing clean punches. It was, they would both miss punches and then Birdo would clinch. That was the pattern for the fight. Yet he wins a split decision on two different scorecards that essentially say with the knockdown, they had Birdo winning eight to four. Are you kidding me? Like, no one cares in reality because no one wants to see Devin's A-news again. But come on, Rafe. Like, that's bad scoring and a bad fight. What were your thoughts? Did you watch the slop? I did. I did. Uh, Brian, I, I, and it's interesting. I actually would be interested and I'm sure we could look it up to, to go back and see the actual scorecards for that fight to figure out if they were giving early rounds to Andre Berto. Because if they were, then, you know, in the, in the, Great words of Pauli Malinaji, you know, you know, the judges, they missed a great fight, you know, uh, but, uh, it's <laughs> just what <laughs> great call. I was late on that. Thank you, man. At least some people got the score right. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, especially the early and, and it's, I think it speaks to a something, a, a mistake at least, if not like a, a permanent flaw with Alexander in that the early rounds of that fight, Berto looked rusty. He looked a little unsure of himself. He looked like he wasn't 
doing he wasn't taking shots well when when Alexander managed to to hit him clean he looked slower than Alexander it looked like the kind of thing where if Alexander stepped on the gas and went for it he could get Berto to to check out you yes. know either yes. could either knock him out or just get him to say you know basically be like, I don't need this. This is not, I, this, I did not c- come here for this fight tonight. Um, and one props to Berto for riding that out and figuring out some way to at least make it competitive enough that he could get a couple of whack scorecard wins. Uh, and, uh, and, but Alexander, I, I, I feel like he left that on the table. He really did. He's washed. He's washed in the sense, Rafe. He's not physically washed, Alexander, fully. But he's, I hate to say this, but he's mentally washed. He just doesn't seem to have the, 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 the dog in him anymore or that, or that understanding of what to do in these spots. I mean, if he's not a lion, I'm a dog him, but that's really how it worked out. And here's the ultimate problem for somebody like Andre Berto, who's a lot like Jean Pascal in this sense, where it's about athleticism early in his career. So when that athleticism fades, he doesn't have a jab. He has kind of short arms. He doesn't have great technique. Every fight's got to be a brawl for him to win. He tried to make this a brawl. Alexander was a little bit too slick and avoided making it a brawl. So then you've got nothing. And so after the fight, you got Berto saying, I'm Berto. I'm brave. I want, I'll take Spence. Yeah, man. No, no. Al Heyman, don't, man. I know Berto's like one of your OGs. Let's not forget, Berto got Floyd's 49th fight on pay-per-view. At a time, he didn't even deserve it. He's a Heyman OG. Heyman, do not serve Andre Berto up to Spence or the winner of Garcia Porter. Don't do it. You know the fight to make here, Rafe, and I'm not going to say Berto VO3, even though I'll be fired as heck up if they do. Berto well, Broner, the AB Bowl. Oh, Berto okay, versus yeah. Broner on regular Fox is a hell of a ratings grab. And you know what? That fight would be fun. Am I wrong? I really like it. I really like it, Brian. I hadn't thought of that. As, I read a headline last night that they that and who knows if, who it was coming from. It was not from a, an official. Of course, there are no official PBC sources, but it was from I think one of Lipin Sergey Lipinets. Uh, speaking of what a crappy job on uh, the undercard, Sergey Lipinets, uh, who who also won on Saturday but didn't look very good against our man uh, Eric not Benet Bonet. Eric Bonet Ramsey. Uh, yeah, yeah. They that. were talking. I, I read some chatter about Lipinets. Oh, uh, what? Oh, did, did you make a Bonet joke on me? Yeah, but it was a Bonet Ramsey one. Let's move on. Let's forget that. Oh man, no, it was oh, bad. Geez. It was. You know, t- it was. Yeah. Come on. Uh, uh, Let's pause yeah. for now. Editors, remove the previous ten seconds from the show. Rafe will restart in three, two, one. Oh, it's CBS Corporate online. What? Sorry. Let's keep going. Let's keep moving. No, 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 no. Oh, that'd be great if the call comes in and Jim Gray. No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. Sorry, no, 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 no class and dignity on your podcast. All right, all right. Back to the programming. Yeah, I read in a rumor the other night that Sergey Lipinets was being set up to fight Adrian Broner next, which makes some sense. But I like your idea of Berto Broner a lot more. It's a bigger fight for both of them. It is fun. It's something where you would expect. Broner to get another win, which he needs to sort of keep his relevance alive. It's something, it's two names that people, people know, a guy who has fought against Floyd Mayweather and just Berto's been around forever. So the average sports fan who used to watch him on HBO and might be like, Hey, I remember watching him knock some guy out in one round, Freddie Hernandez <laughs> and think that he might still be that guy or 10%. Or he is 10%, 50% of that guy. 
you know, might get into that fight. So I think that that's a fight that makes a lot of sense. I, I'd be down for that for sure. I am afraid, Brian, that you already predicted what is more likely to happen. Oh, and God. that is that uh, somehow Andre Berto has fought himself into a position to fight for one of these titles against a no. prime welterweight again. We already saw him against Sean Porter. We know what happens against prime. We don't need that anymore. You know, you know who just made a comeback at like somehow he's only 36? Umberto Soto. Remember that guy? He's making a welterweight I, comeback right now. Put Wash Berto in with him. That'd actually be a war, right? Wait, what about what? What about Colazzo Berto too? Come on, yes, we, we need. Yes. I want to see that. I actually, I could get. That's a good hardcore fight. I'm sure Berto is like, I'd much rather make money fighting someone else. I've said this but, forever about Heyman PBC cards. The Colmains always stink, and it's always somebody you never heard of, and it's some young guy they're trying to push. The Colmains should only be washed welter fights of names we know. So if you're Andre Berto, you go through the Rolodex of your resume. And then Al calls up Carlos Quintana, who's probably sitting on a couch somewhere, and says, hey, that fight was pretty fun. Let's run that back. Oh, Colazzo on line two. Let's run that back. It should only be washed rematches at this point. I would watch wash names wash each other. I don't want to watch wash names get sent to hell by prime guys. That's all I have to say about that. <sighs> the results, though, of what is next for both Berto and Alexander were added by Heyman to a USB stick. It's going to be sewed into a robe for charity, but do not. Do not ask me after the fight what is on this stick. Hey, speaking of Vlad's stick, I'm pausing this PBC report to tell you that I have Comcast on my TV, Rafe. So do you know when you have the show paused and you haven't unpaused it for a while it'll put up like a screensaver of like nature shots and in the corner of the screen it'll tell you the temperature and these little news flashes these little headlines and the headlines are always oh, no. oddly geared oh, no we're gonna get into oh vlad yeah the headlines are always oddly geared toward the shows that i watch so they must know it must be like how on facebook like you'll see the ads of something you searched for on on google like last week that you shouldn't have and then it pops up on facebook you're like how do they know i was on that site that's gross uh, it said that Hayden and Vlad split after 12 years, Rafe. So, um, I guess for boxing fans, it's good in one way. Hay Hayden's DMs are open, bro. <laughs> like that's, that's a, that ain't bad, but, uh, that was, that was tough to see. That was boxing's royal family for a bit, right? Yeah, that was, I, what, that was a great story. Just a bizarre ass couple. This enormous heavyweight champion fighter from Ukraine. And his wife is the tiny actress from Heroes and now Nashville or whatever else she's been in over the years. She's like four foot eleven. It made no sense. They looked really good together. They seemed pretty happy. I guess, you know, it's tough for famous people, whether they're in show, you know, with the showbiz and athlete, uh, to, to stick together. But man, it's a bummer. And, uh, I guess, I guess the question is, Brian, does this mean we get some sort of midlife crisis, Vlad, coming back to boxing. Wow, I didn't even all think he of that. Has left. Yes, oh my God, the Fury rematch, angry divorce, Vlad. That's the best news ever. By the way, I was while you were talking, I was researching Hayden. I was gonna say at like thirty-five, could there be a post-prime second hot prime for Hayden? Hayden's twenty-eight. How is that possible, Rave? She she she's, has been. She's she's, she's literally well, she, in she her looks prime. great. She she has looked great for a long time. Uh, I guess early on in her career, we shouldn't have been thinking that. For she's twenty-eight right now, but uh, yeah, she's dating yeah. actor Brian Hickerson. Damn. Already. Damn. Do you know who this Already? guy is? 
Who is Brian Hickerson? Do you know who he is? I don't know, but if he can make heavyweight, I know who he's fighting. Oh, wow. He's 28 years old. I'm already on E! Online. I'm on places I don't normally go. They were caught going out to dinner in West Hollywood. He's from South Carolina. Apparently, he's not a big name. Wow, this is interesting. What's interesting here, Rafe, is if you really connect the dots. Because, look, Klitschko got disarmed by Fury in that fight in 2015. Certainly. But you know, and I know, that that wasn't the best version of Klitschko. He was mentally, like, right after the fight, I I was the one who was saying, look, something's wrong with Vlad mentally. Like, he wasn't the right guy. He didn't go for it. You can't tell me he was that afraid of getting knocked out, or you can't tell me he was that confused. Something was off. We find out after the fact that Vlad didn't have a real training camp for that, that he had a train near Nashville where they live, and that Hayden was going through some kind of like postpartum depression, which is, you know, a natural thing that happens in a, in a real life situation. And that may have robbed Vlad of his focus for that fight. So in some ways we, we, we can blame Hayden for Tyson Fury's career. And in other ways, wow, if he comes back refreshed, angry, ready to, cause look, Vlad was the guy that was going to walk away at the right time. Cause he's so smart. But there's no happy endings in fight in combat sports. Guys always hang on too long. Could this lead him to hang on too long? And we make really fun fights, Rafe. Why am I angry, so interested? Just come in wanting to hurt someone to to take his anger out on the world. And like, you know what I'm thinking right now? If I'm if I'm the promoter, and you know what? There's, we've seen K2 K2 works with with Klitschko in the, in the he actually he Klitschko owns K2 in the Ukraine. Uh and we've seen them work on some of these superfly cards in the state. We need a spurned lovers co- two two double headliners, Sri Saket Sorungdesai, wow. the little spurn lover and Vladimir Klitschko headlining the big spurn lover. Get them some guys to beat to just take that pain out on oh, wow. and deliver some pain. Man so also, Vlad's back on the market. I mean, he's been touching M's for years, but do you think he goes back to touch TNA in the celebrity route? Or do you think he finds some fine Russian-born, ready-made political housewife? Um, I don't know. I, I, I hope for Vladimir Klitschko to find happiness and true love. Uh, but he probably, I imagine... Is at the point where he's like, I don't want to mess with these actresses no more. I don't, I, I'm not about this life. I'm. I just want to sit here with my USB sticks and my chessboard yes, yes. and my and and train that. and think about Emmanuel Stewart and and just you know think live life in an honest way. Think about the important things. All right. They did ask Tyson Fury uh, his thoughts on Hayden moving forward, and this is what he had to say. Baby, I just don't get it. Oh, yeah. enjoy being heard. I know you smell the perfume, the makeup on your shirt. You don't believe these stories. You know that they're all lies. Bad as you want. Stick around. But I just don't know why. If I was a man, baby, you. If he wants to Brian, draw Vlad out of me, retirement, Rafe, if he yeah. wants to draw Vlad out, he should slide in the DMs, right? Because it it's goes true. That's where it goes down. If he got, if they turn it into a whole, <clears throat> they could turn it into a whole AB versus Polly situation. Oh, just drag us all the wow. way down into the dumps. I beat Polly. I left with his belt and his girl. 
All right, Rafe, we are running out of time. We got to speed. That's just my USB stick. It's not my girl. It's my USB. <laughs> we got to speed read through some news here before we get to the interviews. So give me a hot 30 seconds on each category. DAZN threatening to make a Billy Joe Saunders, Demetrius Boo Boo, Andrade title fight for the WBO middleweight belt. I'm in. Are you? Hell yes, that's a good fight. Top middleweights, do it. It'll be boring, but we need those fights. I'll tell you what the DAZN fight. Are you gonna read it to me? Are you gonna read any other DAZN no. news to what me? Do you got? What do you got? Because oh. I see that you you see that they're trying to make Jarrell Miller uh, versus Tomas Adamek, uh, bro. So washed. That's Chicago. Shout out to James Foley of the Foley Minute of the uh, <laughs> Respect Box newsletter. You know he'll be there front row with Ben Lemon. But wow. Wow. Uh, Rafe, we got 30 seconds on the end of a career, Rafe, that you mentioned earlier. Let me say first something. We have, we have a new Manny Pacquiao. He's from Argentina and his name is Lucas the Machine. Matisse! Maybe not a surprise after he was lifeless against Pacquiao, but Matisse will walk away at age 35. Rafe, I don't want you to tell me your favorite memory, even though we love Lucas. We love him. I want you to tell me whether this retirement should fuel the conspiracy rumors that he took the money and ran to make Manny look good for one more night so the Manny train can keep rolling out of that station into into financial uh, futures. No, I don't think he took the money and ran. I think this was the plan all along, was basically to get back in, win a couple of winnable fights, and angle his way into a Pacquiao fight because it was pretty easy to see that Manny needed opponents who he could beat. And Matisse kind of slotted in as that kind of guy, a name opponent who he could beat. And he went in there and got beat. Good for him. He made a lot of money for an extra year and a half in boxing and didn't really do anything disgraceful to himself. All right. All right. I can get down with that. A, we had another retirement, Rafe, after Billy Dibb lost that awful Tevin Farmer title fight on ESPN Plus at like 3 in the morning in New Zealand or Australia or somewhere down under. He retires at 32, Rafe. So, I don't want your favorite Billy Dibb memory because there are none. <laughs> Does this mean that there's a chance that Anthony Mundine can cut down to like 135-ish so we can make another Australian super fight? Why don't we go catch me? Why doesn't Billy Dib go up to uh, to welterweight to fight Anthony Mundine? Because I think Anthony uh, Mundine is uh, is reptilian, and I think he just can shape shift into whatever way to you. And I want to see it happen. I want to see the. Is, he is Mystique from the X Men. Yes, exactly, exactly. Oh wow, that just I I would get oddly excited for a weird ass fight like that. You know, I mean, just it's these Australians, right? The guy has balls. He fights like a tough, tough. Gang members. Which does not describe either Mundine or Dib or any Australian ever besides Jeff Horn that one night. Uh, um, Jeff Fennick. One more news and update. Apparently this Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder thing is heating up. They're, they're, they're drawing on, on Twitter. Both are saying the deal's 99% done even though even you tweeted out that, uh, Steven Espinosa was on Mannix's pod and basically kind of like poo-pooed the reality of whether this is real. I don't really care. Nothing's changed in the sense of Rafe. Do you think we're closer to this fight happening? Even though, yes, I'd love it November whatever, 10th on Showtime pay-per-view from Las Vegas. Obviously, I'd love it. But the reason I bring this up is because this fight being talked about gave us a really weird uh, uh, bedside uh, pillow talk interview between Michelle Joy Phelps of Behind the Gloves oh, in Tyson Fury's hotel room in his bed 
And here's uh, a little snippet from it, Rave. Women, women are okay being home and doing the home thing. Oh, let's not go down that road. No, it's true. What do you mean? Let's not start going down that road. So, no, no, but women you can't are, say that. Why? Because... Some women, some women are okay with that. Yeah, some women. Yes, yeah. you can say that. Yeah, some women. Because I, I was going to say that's quite sexist, to be fair. No, 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 no a, not... I'd not, be offended by not, that. <laughs> not that they're home as in cooking home, but I mean like as in having a stable base. They're okay with being home. Like, yeah, they don't the travel as jobs. much. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't travel like we would travel. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. So it's sort of the You're like just one of the boys, aren't you? Right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Like you're on but the that's, road, you know what's funny? Thing. The guys seem to, when I date guys, they seem to be okay with it initially. But I think once <laughs> the feelings start really getting involved. Stop it already, Steve. Jesus, Steve, stop the damn fight. Like, oh, stop it, Frank. You can stop it any time. Brian Campbell's going to let the sound bite go. Like, oh, well, no. she was just with so and so. Or, oh, well, she didn't call me back right away. Oh, Rafe, where are we when Tyson Fury is calling out a woman for being sexist? We are, we are through as, as if this world did not give us enough evidence already, Brian. We are all the way through the looking glass. Everything oh. up is down. Nothing makes sense Who anymore. Who does interviews We're... in beds, Rafe, besides John and Yoko? <laughs> I would prefer for a more, a slightly more professional aesthetic in those kind of interviews. Uh, I don't want to pile on, but it, it, it was a strange look. And, and then it got so informal where they're talking about their dating lives and things like that. On one hand, it's interesting, but it's, it's really, you're, you're, it's a tightrope walk, and and you're they're falling off left with with no safety net. Boxing and, fans do want your analysis on Phelps's up and downs in the dating world, and how men seem to be cocky at first, but then when they see her around fighters, they begin to get a little you know a little fearful that that uh, are we we're not going in the right direction right now, are we? No, that is the wrong – that is the direction their conversation went in, the direction we want to avoid. You know, it's 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 the flow, Brian. You want to block bad, yeah. harness good. Yeah, I like you that. Know, all right, all right. Let's around. get into more satiable topics, more appropriate topics, and I have an appropriate soundbite for you. Eddie Hearn's reaction as to whether Fury and Wilder are just trying to screw him and make headlines or whether he really believes Fury Wilder will happen. I said that I could suck his nuts one by one. Hairy, oh. big hairy well, nuts. I'm not really into hairy nuts or nuts at all, but um, I'm not very keen on sucking Tyson Fury's nuts. Um, but he does make me laugh, and listen, oh. he is unpredictable. Maybe he takes a fight. For me, I believe it's all a publicity stunt. Yeah, well, I believe with the, I, I agree with the latter. But at the, least now we're back to the kind of material that uh, that is that we're comfortable with on this on this podcast, like, what Brian. Are you, a jacker, bronze bummer, you game. Are you a jacker? Yeah, he's a jacker. Um, uh, wow. All right, Rafe. Let's let's get away before before they shut the show down. I want to throw to an interview that I'm really excited about, and it's Showtime. Sean Porter ahead of his September 8th showdown with Danny Garcia. You're gonna love it. Get ready. Enjoy. Sean Porter, my man. How is What's it? What's up, sir? 
It's Brian Campbell, how are you? CBS Sports. I'm doing great. Thanks so much for joining me and recording this for a podcast. Can't wait to talk to you about this September 8th fight. Danny Garcia. Look, this is one of those circle of the calendar dates. I don't have to explain it to you, Sean, but I'm expecting like July 4th fireworks here. Am I, am I on the right road here? Am I in the right place? Oh, yeah. You are definitely on the right road. I, I, you know, uh, that's what happens when I'm in the ring and, uh, and I love it. Um, but I think especially with a fighter like, uh, like uh, Danny Garcia, who, you know, will come to fight. Um, we'll, we'll put it all on the line. Uh, makes for an absolutely fantastic night. Yeah, absolutely, for the vacant WBC welterweight title. Now, Danny said during the news conference when you two guys traded some 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 fun trash talk, I was, I was going to tell Jim Gray, back off, bro. Let these guys duke it out. I want to see what happens <laughs> here. And he said, yeah. he said, Sean, no dancing with the stars. I'm going toe-to-toe. Do you believe him? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think that's that's what he needs uh, for me to to in order for him to win. He needs me to to stand right there in front of him. I think um, he needs to be able to have that right range and distance, and it's only predicated upon uh, somebody being right there for him. So uh, I got plans. Um, the plans that that I have will will definitely uh, have me um, a WBC champion at the end of the night. All right, true or false? Danny Garcia will be the biggest puncher you have ever faced. At this point, I have to say false. Um, you know, I, I I believe I've been in the ring with the with the biggest puncher in the what's what division. Uh, obviously, outside of myself and, and Keith Thurman, uh, I think that he he has tremendous um, natural uh, power. And uh, you know, so you know, ask me after the fight. All right, <laughs> I mentioned Jim Gray before. Hey, 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 hey. Did when you rushed the ah. ring after Rios Garcia and you made your statement. Do you think that's what got you the fight? Because I love when fighters do this. I love when you take the business in your own hands. You say, I'm not waiting for Uncle Al on line one. I'm, I'm booking this fight myself. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That was my whole mindset was, was to get in the ring and, and say something and, 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 and make it evident that, you know, I wanted to fight him, uh, especially after he, he won uh, that fight the way that he did against Brandon Rios. Um, uh, it made sense. For me to get in the ring and do that, I think um, you know. So at some point, you gotta you know take matters into your own hands, and that's why I decided to do it. I do. I, I believe that it paid off for me. Now, you've been known to break a man's will with your pressure style. I said, "Hey, Danny, is this pressure style dirty?" He says, "100 percent." Sean Porter, is this style dirty? Is this legal? What you doing there? Oh, uh, it's 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 only legal in, in Brooklyn and in a few other uh, cities in this world. Um, it's 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 hard to do what I do. It's hard to to, to remain consistent in it, and I think that that's why uh, people have so many problems with it because of how consistent it is and 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 the and the, the tempo at which it comes. Uh, it, it does. It frustrates you. And it won't allow you to think. And um, at the end of the day, if if you're frustrating a man and not allowing him to think. I'm pretty sure that that's a crime. Um, the only difference is I'm allowed to get paid for it. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So when you <laughs> when you were in there against Bert, Andre Berto last April 2017, I was ringside for that, and it was it was crazy to see Berto, a guy with a with a great chin, with a lot of heart, who I respect, slowly break, wilt, and eventually just kind of give in and say that's enough. Do when you look at Danny Garcia, do you see the kind of backbone that can be broken? Can you do the same thing to Danny that you did to Andre Berto? I do. I will. I will answer that question by saying this. I I do think that he has a will that can be broken. It has to be broken a different way, uh, and um, you'll you'll see it on fight night. 
Oh wow, got the blueprint. You got you got the got the drafting board out, the slide rule. I think you you got a formula here to take down DSG. I do, I do, I do, I do. All right, you and well, you you the the fight that you see uh, September eighth will be a fight that you've never seen Danny Garcia in. And uh, and and it will definitely uh, have you out of your seat for for twelve rounds. Wow! Put that on a poster. I'm ready now. You mentioned a man's name before, who we never talk about. Keith, one time Thurman. What happened to your boy? And will we ever see him again? Like, where, like I know where he is, but I don't in, know. But in reality, where know. the heck is he? Yeah, I don't know. I keep saying I'm gonna call him, and and and, and I haven't. Um, maybe today will be the day. Uh, I haven't. I. It's weird that we have we actually haven't even seen him since uh, actually since the Danny Garcia fight. But you know, there's there's big fights, big big moments to be a part of, and you know he's missing out on all of the action. You know, so you can definitely uh, label him in my head. So there was this version of Keith Thurman in 2014 who was like. I'm calling out Floyd. Why is he not fighting me? The business and boxing and the politics are horrible. I'm his interim mandatory. Why is Floyd not? Hey, Al Heyman, why is Floyd not fighting me? But four (laughs) years later, it's like, I think Keith got a taste of, of the money. I think maybe as Danny Garcia once, I'm sorry, as Danny Jacobs once famously said, I think once Keith started touching M's, if you will, Sean Porter, he's changed. Do you agree with that statement? Yeah. I think, um, be, wow, and I feel like you just quoted him like perfectly. It sounds that sounds exactly what he said. I think that um, he 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 got what he wanted and and his few belts, and then after that happened, he he figured out um, how um, Floyd conducted his business, and he he tried to you know model his career the same. And I think it began to to backfire on him. Uh, I don't think he necessarily saw himself in this position, obviously with injuries, but at the same time, I, I think he, he did try to take a little bit more control of his career than, than he could have. And, you know, it, it left him, you know, in a position where he doesn't know who to fight or when to fight. Very true. Now, who do you think won that Thurman Garcia fight that ended up being 115-113 on two of the three scorecards? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't feel it was, uh, that, that, that close. I thought that the fight was a little bit more uh, lopsided in, in Keith's favor. I thought that Keith was able to um, box him um, round after round and, you know, uh, seemingly make it look easy and uh, and win the fight, in, in my opinion, decisively. Okay. Okay. Now, Saturday night I was watching Showtime on my couch, and this man named Errol Spence Jr. popped up on the screen, and he said this, Sean Porter is only mentioning my name when he has another fight scheduled. When Sean doesn't have a fight scheduled, he never says the name Errol Spence Jr. Your reaction to that, Sean Porter? Uh, if if you ever hear me saying Errol Spence's name, it's because somebody else put it in my mouth. Um, they asked me a question about Errol Spence. Uh, I don't really talk about any fighter unless I'm asked about him. Um, just recently I was told that he, he was promised the winner of myself. Uh, and, and Danny Garcia, which is going to be me. And so I said, shoot, after I get this belt, we can fight. And, uh, and I meant that, you know, so if he feels like I'm only saying his name because I have a fight scheduled, that's not it. Somebody asked me about you and asked, and I answered the question. That, that's a fair analysis. Now, his name is currently being linked with that of Mikey Garcia after what happened on Saturday night. And I just wanted your opinion on a guy like Mikey, lightweight champion, who's Boldly daring to be great, says, I want to move up two weight classes and fight the guy that a lot of people think is the best welterweight in the world. Half the camp says, 
you're crazy. But there's people that are starting to pop up and said, hey, this is no different than Shane Mosley, what he did against De La Hoya. Where do you side on whether this is a smart move for Mikey? Uh, I think that, you know, timing is everything. And I think that um, in more ways than one, the timing is perfect for him to do this now. And, um, you know, I, I, I think he's biting off a little bit more than he can chew. But I think that he, he's a world champion and for good reason. There's this story, Sean, that's become like a, a urban myth and a legend, especially on my boxing podcast, because I always bring it up. There was supposedly this sparring session in 2012 between Errol Spence as an amateur and Floyd Mayweather coming out of jail after the Cotto fight. And your dad, Kenny Porter, supposedly witnessed it. And the rumor is, and Errol will never give me the truth on this, despite his nickname, that he put it on Floyd. Did you see this or did you hear about this? What do you know about this mythical sparring session? First off, I didn't. That's 2012. That's crazy. That was a long time ago. Um, My dad was there. My dad said that uh, Errol Spence uh, performed very well. And uh, my dad had actually been with Errol, I think, in one, if not two camps um, when Errol was on the Olympic team. So um, Errol uh, did uh, allow my dad in the the corner with him to coach him as he, you know, um, sparred with Floyd, helping him get ready for a fight. I don't even remember which fight it was, but I I do know my dad said uh, that um, Errol went went really well for Errol, and I think they only used him, you know, once or twice, and um, that was it for Errol. All right, wow. One day – uh, footage will fall out from that. One day there'll be like a, a leaked. I leaked. think so. Yeah, somebody, somebody had a camera you know, somewhere. Us media and fans, we love this crap. We still think Paul Spadafora beat Floyd once in a sparring match. We care about all this weird crap. All right, uh, Sean, I got to get you out of here, but I got to ask you this: When you look at Danny Garcia, you're not going to tell me the blueprint on how to beat him. I know that. But has this been a name you've watched through the years and said, "One day I'm going to meet him," and one day I know how to beat him? Um. Not until maybe two or three years ago, I think when I saw him fight Lamont Peterson, that for me was kind of the defining moment. Oh, okay, I know how to beat this kid. And then obviously watching him up close against Keith Thurman um, was kind of the the, the the confirmation as to how you beat uh, uh, Danny, Danny Garcia. Interesting. All right, to close, I don't know if you're on Twitter a lot and you heard of this guy at James Bag Jr. He's like a clown, like a like a troll, but in, he means well. He loves the crap out of your former Ultimate Sack promotion that you used to do. He wants to beanbags with Ultimate Sack on it. Are we ever going to see you work with them again? Oh, that wow. was fantastic. Yeah, I haven't um, I haven't dealt with that uh, that company in a while. I, I'm still friends with with the uh, the creator and 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 owner. Um, and and I, I have two uh, in my house, you know, so I do know uh, how great they are. You tell your friend to get the fur and tell them to get get the biggest one they have, which uh, is a six-foot sack. So in diameter, six feet all the way around. Six-foot sack with the fur. I'm going to tell them that. Absolutely, Sean Porter. Thank you Perfect. for your time, <laughs> for answering my ridiculous questions, but there's nothing ridiculous about September yeah. 8th. You and Danny Garcia, this is going to be big-time boxing at the Barclays Center. Best of luck to you. I know you're going to bring it. I know it's going to be mayhem. Awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And Stu is on the phone with you right now. Don't believe anything you hear other than that. Believe it. Thanks, buddy. Rafe, good talk. Good talk with Showtime there. I'm going to get right into it with you. What would you think about when I cornered him and said, do you fight dirty? And he said, there's only a few states you can get away with this style. Does he fight dirty, Rafe? Is he a dirty fighter? 
I actually don't think Sean Porter is a dirty fighter. I think he's a awkward, ugly kind of fighter. I don't, I don't think, I don't think he leads with his head a whole lot. I mean, uh, I, I, well, are there... I don't know, Ray. If he leads with his forearm and elbow too a lot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, look, it ain't, it ain't pretty boxing. It ain't uh, master but... boxing. It's more like blunt force trauma boxing. Yeah. It's, I, look, I, I've called it in the past, like high, intensity athletic humping mauling it is it's a it's a weird style that is all that is all his own and it takes a lot of energy and effort and and i understand why other guys more classical fighters really hate to deal with it because it is a huge pain in the butt uh but i don't i i for whatever reason i don't i guess because i don't think that sean porter and and this is probably a mistake because who am I to, to read Sean Porter's mind? But to me, I don't get the sense that he's intentionally trying to do these things. I think that he just goes in there, he kind of spazzes out and that, and he does it effectively. Right. Um, right. but you know, uh, dirty is dirty. If the result is dirty, then maybe we should just call it dirty. Yeah. Let's call it, it is what it is. He says he has a special blueprint on how to beat Danny Garcia and it's a, and it's a method and a style no one's ever seen before. Is this just talk? This is just talk, right? That sounds like just talk. I've ne- what, what, what the heck could that be? All right, all right. Uh, I got him to talk about my favorite topic that I will go to my grave to unearth the truth, and that, of course, is the Errol Spence Jr. Floyd Mayweather 2012 sparring video in which Kenny Porter was there and told you that Errol put it on him. And we had Spence on this show, and he only liked to tease, and Spence doesn't want to get Floyd mad, so he always says, yeah, it happened. I did well. Sean reiterated for us there that that – that he did and Rafe one day we will have Kenny Porter on the show one day we will get the truth one day we will find the video and we'll take Paul Spedafora versus Floyd in the sparring archives as the greatest footage of Floyd's first loss off the shelf and we'll put Errol Spence back on there what are your thoughts about how much I care about this sparring session I want to hear it though from the lip to the cup Floyd there's a long way from the lip to the cup I'm sure you don't understand what that means I don't understand either what do you got it may be a little overboard, Brian, but I, it is a, it is one of these juicy rumors that's, that, that I'm down with in boxing. So I, I do want to get to the bottom of it. I'm just kind of skeptical that you're ever going to get there. I don't think that you have the investigative chops to make oh, this happen. No, brother. I will get there because what Kenny said one time on a YouTube video was that Floyd told Errol to get out of the ring because he was putting it on him too much and that Errol refused. Oh, I told Errol, Errol in that interview, Errol dragged Floyd into the doghouse? Yep. Every time I talk to you for the rest of your life, I'm going to ask you about this, and I'm going to get more info. Rafe, this is going to be a long-form process. This is not good. This is going to be a marathon, not a sprint. I will uncover the truth, and then I'll put out an oral history on it. But shout-out to Fight Hype, Floyd's mouthpiece. They got a little bit this week when they talked to Floyd. Let's hear what he had to say about it, Spence. I boxed, I boxed Errol Spence, and I've been in there with Marcus McDonald's. Um. Errol Spence, he, he's tough. He's strong. I mean, it's not really that he's strong. He hit, he hit, he hit, he hit good. If you sitting right there, he can bang though, because you know I didn't box him. I didn't box him the, the hardest punches, you know, in the sport of boxing. He can hit. He's tough. I mean, it's not. And Marlon McDonald, same thing. He can hit. He hit. He knew with a good shot too. The motherfucker hit hard. Whoa, whoa, well, we already knew that, but what Floyd just confirmed about Spence, though. Hey, that black guy, he hits hard. Rafe, one day we're going to get, we're going to piece all these things together, and we're going to get it, and then one day someone will release the video, all right? That Argentino Valentino, he hits hard. 
Uh, finally on Porter. This was a real quote when I asked him about his ultimate sack. Quote, you tell your friend to get the fur and to get the biggest sack available. End quote. Did Porter know what was really happening or was he what, – what just happened? I, if he did, he played it so smooth. He really did. I, I'm impressed either way. All right. Hey, let's hear the other half of that equation for September 8th. It's Danny Swift Garcia. Oh, heck yeah. Enjoy. Danny Swift Garcia. It's Brian Campbell, CBS Sports. How are you, my man? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I can't wait to see you September 8th get a chance to regain the welterweight championship, something you formerly owned, but you call yourself the lineal swag champ. Do you still wear that title, Danny? Yes, sir. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, nobody nobody does it like Danny Garcia. That's what I'm talking nobody about. Nobody wears that drip like me. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the respect. He's got the money. He's got the power. He's got the wardrobe. But a tough fight yes, against sir. Sean Porter, Brooklyn Barclays Center, Showtime, September 8th. You got us all fired up for this because it's two hungry guys that love to bang. And, Danny, you said in the news conference, I'm not running, no dancing with the stars. We're going phone booth toe-to-toe. Why is this the right strategy against this running back, Sean Porter? You know, at the end of the day, like I said before, I'm going to come fight him and I'm going to beat him at his own game. What can you do when somebody's beating you at what you do best? Nothing. That's fair. That's fair. All right. Well, let's talk about this style. True or false? Sean Porter is a dirty fighter. True. He's been known to break a man's will. I think he broke Andre Berto last fight. How do you prevent with forearms, elbows, headbutts, and clubbing punches? How do you prevent being another one in that category? You know, I think I, I think Berto's will has been broken for many years, and um. Um, you know, I'm a different type of fighter. I'm mentally strong and I'm a hard person to break. So I just got, just got to go in there, work hard and be, be, be 100% focused. Have you ever fought anyone with a similar style? I fought a lot of fighters who come forward. Probably not as, you know, probably with the headbutts, not the headbutts or the elbows and things like that. But I, I faced a lot of fighters who came forward in my career. You know, in your last bout against Brandon Rios, when you stopped him, I think you reminded a lot of people at how much you can punch. Was that sort of, in your eyes, the perfect advertisement to Sean Porter? That, hey, if you're going to try that style, you're going to pay for it. Exactly. So, you know, you want to come forward, you want to fight, and you gotta, you got to be, be, be cautious for the, two, the two-headed punching power from the right and the left hand. Now, it sounded a bit like there was some bad blood in the news conference with Sean Porter. I know sometimes it's to sell. What is the real relationship between you two right now? Are you irritated by this guy? What are you feeling? No, not at all. Um, at the end of the day, uh, I'm composed. I feel good. Nothing gets to me. I got thick skin. And I'm ready to go in there and fight. That's it. Now, when you did the face-off, when you looked into his eyes, for guys like me on the outside, I don't punch. I don't. I don't get hit. So when I see two guys face off, I get giddy like I'm in the schoolyard and I'm about to witness a fight because I feel like you can see something in the other guy. What did you see in Sean Porter today when you stood across from him? You know, he's he's unsure. I feel like he's unsure. You know, he's trying to pump himself up for this fight. But um, it's not going to work. All right. All right. I can I can deal with that. Now, you've done a great job, Danny, at, at fending off criticism, saying like, 
What are you people going to do? I'm living my life. I'm, you know, I'm a champion. I make a lot of money. I do good things. Right. But there's always that, that theory that it's easier to climb the mountain when you're chasing titles or chasing riches than it is to maintain it. Have you felt that? Have you felt it more difficult when you're on top than it was when you were originally climbing four or five years ago? Um, not really. Not really. I feel like, I feel like it's easy. I feel like, you know, I feel like, you know, once you have the title, you know, it's on your side, so it's easier to keep it. I think it's always harder to get the title, so. And, um, you know, I'm hungry, and I'm going in there, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm going to go in there and win this, win this fight. Something you said during the news conference that blew up Twitter. You said your father, trainer, Angel Garcia, and you are so close. You go to the strip club together. DSG, I'm not yeah. ready to imagine Angel letting making it rain, but it's got to be a wild scene. <laughs> Oh yeah, for sure. It's a movie. You know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, uh, explain the story. You know, Pops is crazy. So it's something you had to see to be there. Well, Pops has become a star of this podcast, even when he's not on it, because his sound drops through the years are so amazing. They become regular hits on the show. I mean, you know, this one. <laughs> Where's that coming from? I have no idea. I think he just woke up one day. He said, "You know what?" He said, "People don't people don't pay attention to positive things." So I'm just gonna start doing dumb shit, and you know it worked. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I gotta ask you about another phrase that's become part of the lexicon on my podcast. Tyrone style, long style. What do you know about Tyrone style? <laughs> oh, that's my guy, man. That's my guy, Tyrone. You know, he goes around and uh, he just goes up to random people and say, "You know, I'm a." I'm a blank your girl along this style. <laughs> <laughs> Philly Philly style representing here. I love that. I love that. Exactly. I don't exactly. know much about Philly style, but I can imagine one final here blurt from, from Angel that we always play. But this is what I got for Oscar. I got fish, scale. Hit me up on the low, Oscar. Did Oscar ever hit him up on the D? That's what I want to know. No, I don't think so. <laughs> all right, all right. Still, still, maybe, but I don't know. All right, I gotta. Add, you respect when fighters make big moves, so I gotta ask you about another Garcia. It's Mikey Garcia, the lightweight champion, who badly, boldly wants to move up two weight classes and challenge Errol Spence Jr. We're, we, the media, are saying, "Hey, Mikey, we love you," but that's crazy. Errol's a killer. What is your opinion of that situation? You know, if he, if he thinks he could do it, he can do it. You know, on, he knows what he's capable of, so. I'm not the person to tell it on the man. He can't do nothing. So if he wants to do it and he believes it, hey, do it. But I really believe he's just saying it, you know, just to pump the media up. All right. All right. But sometimes when you make that leap from the lower weight classes to 47, that's a that's a bigger leap. Like if you don't have the power or the size or the chin, some people even like Ricky Hatton find out the hard way. It's hard to make that leap. Did you have any doubt when you were 35, 40 coming up that, hey, when I get to 47, there might be some bangers there. There might be some trouble. Yeah, for sure. You know, they're bigger guys, so um, definitely bigger guys, guys who walk around at a bigger weight. So um, you got to be cautious and have the right matches. So, you know, maybe if he wants to go to 147, you could test the waters with somebody else, and then I'm going to fight him or fight whoever he wants. Well, Danny, there's a possibility that you're only the third most famous member of your own household because of how much your sisters, the CNG twins, have blown up, taking yeah, over social media. Sure. So congratulations to your family on that. Will we ever hear you rapping you. on a track or, or, or something in the entertainment game for, for the Swag Champ? 
Uh, you might. You know, I got a lot of I got a lot of songs I recorded, but I never dropped them. So you never know. I might drop, I might drop one bomb one day. Oh wow! I'd like if you dropped a song <laughs> ahead of each fight, calling out the guy you're about to take out. I could be your manager here. We can make this work. All right. Oh yeah, that 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 definitely will work. So let's see. And Danny, one of your former opponents that gets a lot of criticism is a man named Rod Salka. I don't know if you saw him on ESPN. He fought with trunks that had had a wall on it. It was Trump-like. He got a lot of criticism. What were your thoughts seeing Rod resurface like that? Oh yeah, that was nuts, man. He was bold. Um, he was bold. Um, I don't think he really understood the the backlash he was going to get. You know, probably because he's you know he's American. You know, he's really Americanized. He probably didn't realize, and he's a he's a former. Um, a soldier, I believe. So he he was just probably being real Americanized and didn't realize that how bad it was until it was done. Yeah, yeah, I can agree with that. I think Rod Salka yeah. took the worst left hook. I always call the left hook that you hit is like it's like a it's like a finishing move. Like if this was pro wrestling, it's like a finishing move. I think the worst left hook you ever landed was on Rod Salka, but you could make a case for Morales in the rematch. Now you tell me, what which one did you get all of? What's your best left hook you ever hit? Um, my best left hook, I would probably say the perfect left hook was probably the Morales number two, but the best left hook I ever landed was against Miracon. Oh yeah, I totally, I bricked on, I totally forgot on that one. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. My, I, w- I would say, I would say my favorite left hook was against Miracon, but the most perfect one was the second one against Morales. Wow, wow. Did you were you upset in the first Morales fight when he waved his arms and tried to like make fun of you? Did that fire you up? No, at the end of the day, you know, um, I was playing a crafty veteran. You know, I learned a lot that night. i tell you that much. Uh, I like that. All right, Danny, this is a great fight. September 8th, we can't wait. What can we expect inside the ring at Barclays on that night? Oh, you can expect fireworks, man. I'm coming to fight. They're, they should put that on a poster. That's 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 next-level yeah. marketing right there, Danny Garcia. Thank, Thank you, you for your time, sir. I can't wait for this fight. I can't wait for the future because I feel like one day you're going to fight Earl Spence. It's going to be the biggest fight of the year. Big things coming in the Garcia household. Yes, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. Take care. Hey, shout out, shout out to DSG. He's known as not being a good interview, but I think he's coming around. I think I'm starting to figure out how to play operation on him and pull out the right quotes without the, you remember that game operation, the thing with like, that was awful, Rafe. All right. I wake up with nightmares to that. Do you believe that DSG? is not going to do Dancing with the Stars, that he's going to stand and trade with the bully Sean Porter. Well, yes, I believe that he's not going to do Dancing with the Stars. When has, when has he been a mover in the ring? He's not, he's an, he's got, he's an athletic fighter. He's got good reflexes, but Danny Garcia, I mean, that, he, he fights a little flat footed. Yeah. It's part of why he gets so much power into those, into those left hooks and some of his big punches, but he isn't, he, he, he I don't, he's not the kind of guy who, who moves around and backs up a lot. Uh, you know, in, in some cases that has been a problem, you know, when he's fighting some of these guys like, like, uh, Mauricio Herrera and they're, they're sort of trying to dance around him and flick the jab and just sort of stink, you know, stink it out slash steal rounds. Um, but no, I, and I kind of, I mean, listening to these two interviews, Brian made me, Extra excited for this fight yes. in in September because I, it start the styles started coming into my head. I really started visualizing it. I closed my eyes and meditated on it, and I saw Sean Porter doing his bull rush, doing the thing where he's just gonna jump all up on you, get in that butt, and uh, oh. he 
What's that? You got what? one? Like, where, what? What are you calling with Say that? what? I thought he was getting in that. You know, I thought Triple G was getting in that ass. Oh, all right, all right. Yeah, Sean Porter's going to come with that. And uh, Danny Garcia is good, is very good with dealing with that, right? He has really good timing, really good reflexes, and he's going to, what's, what, what's the only time we've, maybe not the only time, but the, the most recent time we've seen Sean Porter go down, got caught coming in by a left hook, in the 12th round from yes. Adrian Broner. Who yeah. throws a good, well-timed left hook? Danny Garcia. A stronger him. one than Adrian Broner does. So I, I, we don't know if he's going to be able to land that shot the same way that Broner did. We don't – but but just – there, it's going to be interesting. The, the, the battle of that intensity, that sort of brute blunt force trauma of a Sean Porter fight and the timing and power of Garcia and, and what happens if Garcia lands that shot – does that make Porter slow down? Does that make him be a little more strategic or not, or, or let or a little more gun shy about running in there? Uh, I, I'm excited to see it. it. It could be a really fun fight, and I don't think it will that Garcia is going to be dancing. Yeah, it can't be a boring fight. It really can't. I mean, n- neither have that ability to box so slickly that it will be boring. It's going to be fun. Uh, the the whole comments that DSG made at that presser about going to the strip club with Angel certainly raised people's eyebrows on Twitter where he said, we throw money together, we do everything together. You heard the quote he gave me. It's a movie. I couldn't explain the stories. Pops is so crazy. It's something you have to see to be there to believe. Uh, Rafe, would you ever want to be there with those two just for like a – for like a giant feature on Eater about uh your new your new employer about uh going to the strip club with father and son. there's some things father and son shouldn't do Rafe that's my personal moral take on life just as like, a father just like cigarettes under the covers come on draw a line somewhere but some people they live their life differently so you tell me it doesn't it this did not shock me uh, we've been observing Angel Garcia for many years you played some of his greatest hits yes. we know uh, we know how he gets down, right? You know, hit him up on the D, you know what I'm saying? Fish scale. Um, so it is that this is Angel. And, and as long as they aren't hurting anybody, then I don't care. Yeah. We did, by the way, I did track Angel down and I did ask him his thoughts on Matisse's retirement to touch on that before. I don't care about Matisse's life. I don't care about his people. I don't care about his family. I don't care about them. Rafe, did you care? That Tyrone style, Philly style is a real thing. And that Danny gave us the breakdown that there's this dude in the gym named Tyrone who goes up to women and says wildly inappropriate things about his LDS. Your thoughts? Uh, yeah, Brian, though, I, I, this is, this is another of these, uh, white whales in boxing that I think it's, it's up to us to continue to track down. Who is Tyrone? Did he ever fight any professional? Did he fight amateurs? What was his record? And, um, and then if we could find, you know, uh, some somebody who's who knows a little something about that LDS, you know, what was it like? What was the what, what was it like? You know, Eric Raskin, our good buddy of the HBO boxing podcast, is a, a Philly guy. I know he's from like King of Prussia. We have nice malls. He's from like suburban upscale Philly. But do you think he knows anything about LDS? Could we have him on here to break that down? I, I, look, I don't know what Raskin style would be. <laughs> oh, that's so gross. That's... I don't think it would be that. He's he's a gentleman. He's yeah, a, he's he a, he's he's upstanding Ivy League grad. Come on, yeah. come on. Um, has Ray Pop sent you any uh, DM slide video on the CNG twins, or, or should we just edit this part of oh, the show too? Good lord! Okay. No, I, I my DMs are closed to Ray Pop. Okay, all right. Uh, are you fans of Danny Garcia's sister's music? 
<laughs> I have watched, put it this way, I have watched and listened to way more of this music than I ever would have expected to in my entire life. Just trying to figure out how they get millions of Instagram followers doing that stuff. They have double the IG followers that Danny Swift Garcia has, the CNG it, twins. I, hey, good for them. I don't get it. Uh, kids these days is all I can say. Who, who will be more famous as an entertainer or singer? The CNG twins, Danny's twin sisters, or Money Yaya, Floyd's daughter? I gotta go with Floyd's daughter. Imagine if they feuded in the rap game and that led to DSG and Floyd in the ring to settle it. That, I, I'm always booking. I'm always uh, two steps ahead of the game. All right. Uh, to close, I did ask Danny about the great moment of Eric Morales flailing his arms to make fun of him in their first fight. And if you're asking me, Eric, if I loved that, oh man. It was done. Did you like that? I love it. <laughs> gracias. Gracias. My campeon, as I look at the picture right now, of Eric Morales, Ra- Washed Raskin, Rafe, and myself in Vegas. Rafe, if you and I are out there this year for Triple G Canelo 2, and we see my campeon, how do we one-up that that great interaction? You got to just run it, be like, campeon, do you remember from last year? That Remember, I loved it. <laughs> Did you like it? <laughs> what, if, what would he say if I ran up to him? Campeon! Did you like it? What was his next response? Yeah, I don't know. It depends on what kind of mood you catch him in. Maybe if I have the soundbite ready, right? Yeah, you might have to. You know, you know what you have to do. You have to treat this like a like an old school Max Kellerman face off and have the iPod cue iPad. It's not the iPod. Wow, I'm going way back. The iPad queued up with the video and be like, you know, Mr. Morales, come on, look, 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 and you play it for him. He's like, I love it. But what if I what if I just ran up to him and was just like. Let me, let me put some water on your ball. That, 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 that. Uh, Hey, Rafe, weekend preview, do you care time? And I teased off the top, this might be the worst weekend in boxing history, but it's summertime, right? Summertime in the living ZZ, right? You know what I'm saying? What's the best song in the history of summertime? Is it actually Summertime by the Fresh Prince and Jazzy no, Jeff? No, 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 no. I, the, the I, I, I got nothing against that song. I'm more of a summertime in the LBC guy. Oh, you know, I mean, oh, I'm from yeah, New York, but yeah. that Dove Shack song is so smooth, you know? Oh, I thought you were referencing uh, uh, Snoop D O Double G there. No, well, that's part of the extended family, but uh, he's not on that song. You're an LA guy now, even though you claim Manhattan Get, roots. Stop that crap! Wow, wow. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, I can't. You know, I, I said that about Rafe, but you know, he he. This was basically uh, his response. You think I care about what the freak that guy that acted that way that behaved that way that I care what he thinks of me? No, I don't. Ray, Friday night from Los Angeles, your backyard on Australia TV. I don't know if you get this. This is a Golden Boy joint. Emilio Sanchez versus Christopher Martin. Eight rounds featherweights. Ringside, yay or nay? Uh, nay. All right. Friday night in Tampa, Florida on Telemundo. Daniel Lozano versus Ricardo Espinosa. Ten rounds bantamweights. You care? Can't say I do. From Las Vegas on Friday, be in sports. Max Ornelius versus Raymond Tabugan, eight rounds bantamweight. Wow, this sucks, right? I don't. Yeah, although the, the, I'd have to see the name, but judging on your pronunciation, that we may have a, a Filipino Raymond uh, Tabugan. Tabugan. Tabugan? Uh, I can't tell. I'd have to see the name. But in that case, I care a little bit. If he boxes in favelas, will you care? 
Why? That's in Brazil, right? Oh, yeah. What's the word you use for flip-flops in Philippines? Ah, chinelas. Chinelas, chinelas. That, I'm, uh, that was quasi-racist. All right, moving on, Rafe. Saturday, Hollywood, California, Facebook Watch, the debut of the new Golden Boy joint, Jesus Rojas versus Joseph Diaz Jr. 12 rounds for Rojas's WBA secondary bootleg regular featherweight title. Uh, yeah, I care a little bit. I care a little bit. I, the Facebook stuff is going to be interesting. You know, what's interesting about Facebook is you can see how many people are watching, which may or which will either be great for, for this event, or it will be a little bit embarrassing with, if there's like 50 people on the stream. You can live comment. Uh, You could be like, Oscar, hit me up on the D. I got two words for you. Yeah. All right. I've seen some stuff on Facebook before. The the comments are really nasty to watch live during a boxing match on Facebook. Not, not something I would recommend. Close that box. It's going to be a lot of talk. It's going to be a toxic brew. I got to, I want to get on my high horse on this one, Brian, a little bit. Yeah, please, please. Like Canelo that time on the beach. Yeah, go ahead. I, 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 when I ride horses, I ride them Usyk style with my Usyk hoodie on and no shirt underneath. Uh, Brian, this Jojo Diaz. Uh, look, first of all, this I, I guess I shouldn't be that upset because this isn't even a real belt, right? Like Leo Santa Cruz is the WBA champion at at, at featherweight. Yes. Uh, but Jojo Diaz just lost clearly to Gary Russell Jr. I don't. I, this just thinks of okay let's go get him an easier belt since he got beat hey kovalev um, did it after the two ward fights but though but but ward retired and gave up all the belts it's fair. fair um i i sure i mean not that yes jabranski kovalev may not have been the best title fight you could make in the world but you had the previous champion of the division just fighting for a belt after his after he'd lost them to a guy who retired after beating him uh anyway uh yeah, I, that's all it is. It's just like, you know, like, I know they want to make Jojo Diaz a thing. He's a fun, decent fighter. He could be a good TV fighter, but like, like, I, I feel like he's going to get this belt and then go hide with it for five years somewhere. And it's not even a real belt. Oh, no, he won't hide. He'll be right on Facebook where you can see him and comment about it. Rafe, and from Mexico City on Saturday, BN Sports Espanol, Jackie Nava versus Alice Sanchez, 10 rounds female bantamweights. Do you care? Uh huh. What? Yeah. Hey, Saturday night from Phoenix, no TV, but you know Rask is fired up. He'll be asleep by the time this comes out, but you know Rask is because his boy, BJ Flores against Trevor Bryan, 12 rounds, heavyweights. Wow. You care? You, you in this? Hell yes. Alice is not on TV. I need, I need somebody to, in that audience to put it on Periscope or something. I need to see this. I need to see our man BJ come back. BJ well, always out there in Vegas, living it yeah. up, always uh, getting into some, some kind of Vegas activities on, online. He, uh, and, and as us fans of the old, uh, main events on, on NBC Sports broadcast when he used to do the calls there. Oh man, it's great stuff. When will he be jobbed out on a DAZN undercard against Jarrell Big Baby Miller? Is that coming soon to your streaming services? Man, I, you know, he'll probably fight, uh, our guy, he'll, he'll fight Tomas Adamic coming off a loss first. If he can get through Ooh, washed, beating Adamic, then maybe he can get a shot at Miller. Uh, to close, no, I got two more for you here, Rafe. Oh, thank God. Saturday night in Savonlina, Finland. I know that you don't care about the main event of Idis Tatil versus Frank Urgiaga for Tatil's European lightweight title. So no one cares about that, Rafe. But the co-main event, are you ready for this? The former future of the heavyweight division, 
Robert Hellenius oh, versus man. Yuri Bikautso. Eight rounds, not a five-rounder like Alex Leopold last week. Eight rounds heavyweights in a rematch of Hellenius' split decision win from March. Rafe Hellenius was once the next big thing out of Sweden. He now lives in Finland, which is why the fight is there. He's 34. He's 26-2. and two. There was a point, Rafe, where he was on the top of the mountain as the next guy to face Klitschko or Joshua or wherever the future was bringing him. And then he fell off the other side of that mountain, and it started with a KO loss to the fisherman Johan Duhaupis, and it continued with a decision loss to Dillian White. He is now hella, we said Hellenius, <laughs> hella washed. Do you care about finding a finished stream for this? I might just because to see around and to see just how sloppy Hellenius is looking. Uh, and also if he's coming in with like big, long, scary, like Chris Kamen hair oh, that yes. he sometimes fights with. Wow. The, that hair is so gross. I'm looking at this picture on BoxRec right now. All right. To close from Saturday at Tweed's Head, Australia, boxing the hotbed down under. Shout out to all of our down under listeners, by the way, including Joe Horn. Uh, Bruno Vifualaville versus Belial Dib, not Billy Dib, Belial Dib. It's a rematch, 10 rounds, junior lightweights. Apparently this Belial Dib is an Australian small weight boxer who's not related to Billy Dib. Is that possible? Oh. I don't know. I have no. I, I I saw it and just thought it was like the he was the Gary Antoine Russell to Billy Dib. <laughs> well, you know, I you thought that Billy he was the short... Bobby Pacquiao. I thought he was just the other brother. And doesn't Billy sound like a nickname for Belial? I don't understand this, Rafe. Well, I guess we're just gonna have to watch and find out. Wow, Billy, he has his own wiki page. Do you have your own wiki page? You don't, know, right? I don't. Um, I could make my own. I don't know if some writers ever do that, uh, but it's possible that, that I could do that. All right. We should make a Raskin wiki page and put a bunch of, like, truths on there. And just to – what do you think? What, what would you put on there? Like, falls asleep at 8 p.m. Eastern every night? Great father. Loves to do oh, the world's best Richard Schaefer impression. That is very true. Uh, has, you know, worked for – no, numerous top-notch magazines, podcast empresario who has hosted podcasts on everything from boxing to pop culture, Breaking Bad. Uh, I would wow. talk him up. I would I would pour water on Raskin's balls. We've been busting his chops. He's not even here to defend himself. That's, that's I'm that's I'm true. here I'm here to say he's one of the best in the business. He's also a former poker head, right? Poker. I just met her, right? Hey, Rafe, let's get out of the show. It's over. It was washed. Shout out to Sean Porter and DSG Danny Garcia for their great interviews. Rafe, shout out to you for waking up at the butt crack of dawn in L.A. to do this show with me. Follow him on Rafe Bugs on Twitter. Subscribe to the Respect Box newsletter. Purchase McSorley's and me, my father, McSorley's and Kriegel <laughs> at all book outlets and Rafe. Tell us one more time about this new basketball project that's got me fired up because I like I like the hoop and the ball, you know? Yeah, it is a big, big oral history book that I worked on with the Hall of Famer, Jackie McMullen, and the uh, director, Dan Clores, who did the Reggie Miller 30 for 30 and the two-part ESPN film Black Magic years ago about Earl of Pearl Monroe and hoops at HBCUs back in the day. Um, 
it's a mammoth project connected to another movie that's going to come out on ESPN directed by uh, Dan. And they basically dropped this pile of 165, 170 interviews on us. Everyone from Bill Russell, Cousy, Oscar Robertson, John Thompson, Nolan Richardson, all the way up the game, Steph, Kevin Durant. Uh, Paul Pierce is in there. You know, it, it's, it's like they dropped the Dead Sea Scrolls of basketball on me and Jackie McMullen. We were the luckiest people in the world for that year, and we got to be the first to look at them and decide what goes into this book. And wow. we're really excited about it. It's called Basketball Love Story. We're going to start promoting it pretty hard soon, obviously, because it comes out September 18th, which is only a little bit of, over a month away. Wow. How busy will that uh, – what do you plan to be during the promotion of that book? How busy would you like to be this year? Busy. Congratulations on that, Rafe. And uh, will there be a in the movie? You said a movie project. Will you be in it? Who will play Rafe Bartholomew in this? Film? Uh, well, the, the the genesis of the project is this film. So it's it was Dan, the the, the director, had this idea to make a, a giant documentary about the love of the game across generations and cultures and all these ideas. And at the same time as he was working on putting this film together, collecting all these interviews. He also figured, hey, we could do a book of this at the same time. So it really be that the two projects are almost separated at birth. It will be interesting to see how using the same raw material, the film comes out one way and the book comes out another. All right. All right. I love it. Hey, uh, that's it. Follow us at In This Corner CBS on Twitter. Buy all of Rafe's merchandise and his books. And we close, as we always do, by shouting out to the Irish because we didn't get a chance this week, Rafe. And this has become kind of a regular spot for us. A.O. Okay, Gypsy Boys. Shout out, okay, guys. The Irish crew. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. Here, we Here we go, baby. Nice and tickle punches like Mike Tyson. Who knows? Kick it to you raw. All right, uh, we got two words for the people on the way out. No panache, no flair. No, no flair, y'all. That good stuff. Great talking to you, Rafe. We are out.